Nothing great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually, just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 24 of Mr. Benfica Mambo number 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 5 batatas. That's right, 5 batatas in Hanan's goal. Benfica win the Super Cup for the 8th time in history. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again. My name, of course, is... Mike, the Mr. Agostino, and I am your host once again for Mr. Benfica. How is everybody doing? It has been one heck of a week, has it not, for our Gloriosu. Um, absolutely memorable, memorable Supertasa last Sunday. Of course, this tournament, this competition, the Supertasa Candido Oliveira, normally is a nightmare for Benfica historically. Um, I, I believe we've lost more Supertasas. Um, we've been the the losing team in the Supertasa more times than anybody else. Um, of course, this this competition does not uh, extend its history back to um, to some of our our glory days. Now, this competition was created right at the onset of Porto's era of dominance. Thus, Porto having twenty one titles, and now we are level with Sporting for a second. With eight, but who cares about that right now? Benfica looked good last week. Um, I think that the game obviously was much closer than than the score would indicate. I think that's a fair thing to say. I think uh, Sporting are rightfully so going to feel hard done by that result, and I am left with the images of you know young Tiahi Cohea. Um, man, I would I wish we had a a, <laughs> a young right back like that in our team. Uh, the president Luis Vieira says we ha we do we have one who's 17 years old, another Tavares who is a right back, so he may be an option in the near future. But I have to tip my 
I had two Spartans outside right back, Tiahi Correa. Um, a lot of people talking about him. It's not just me. It's not just Spartanistas. It's it's everybody. It, it was impressed with his performance. Um, obviously, in this episode, we're going to talk about the match in full detail. Um, and we'll, we'll get on who, who was good, who was not. Um, why Benfica won. Uh, why why Sporting collapsed? That's also something to talk about. You know, Sporting in a in a very tough situation right now. Um, the transfer window has closed in in England, and Bruno Fernandes was not sold. Um, and I don't think that that team can begin to rebuild until they offload uh Bruno Fernandes and have the funds to get two or three players because that's really what they need. You could see in this match as well as they played for the first thirty minutes, they just don't have a complete enough team to compete with the likes of Benfica when Benfica are firing on uh you know on three quarters of their cylinders. They're not even firing on all cylinders yet. Benfica can look at this match and there's a lot to be improved still. Again, that scoreline five nil is miss leading um but the good thing is Benfica did something they've done ever since uh Bruno Lage has been in charge and that is punish the opponent for mistakes and Benfica was deadly efficient um in front of goal with with a few exceptions of course Seferovic unable to get on the board but aside from him Benfica showed some real real efficiency in this match this was much better than I had expected I did not expect the match to go that well. Um, Odysseus looks good in goal. He made some big saves, of course. Bruno Lage tactically just just far superior um, and has more more to work with, obviously, than Marcel Kaiser has over at Sporting to work with. Um, but but Bruno Lage seems to be in a league of his own tactically. Um, and now all the matches in the preseason in the ICC, they all make sense right now as to who played um, as that team was, was well-constructed. Um, Florentino was a giant. Uh, I, I, loved, I love his game. Um, I feel for Samarish, but... But right now, the form Florentino's on, uh, he's got to be the guy that plays there at this point in time. He could dip. His form could dip. And Samarish is a type of player that on a moment's notice jumps in and he he gains form quickly. So I'm not too worried about the Greek international, Andreas Samarish. I still hold him in as high regard as ever. And um, unfortunately, we found out after the match, you know, Gabriel was injured. So I'm hoping that it is Samarish uh, moving in to that spot. Um to to play alongside Florentino, um, I think he brings more than Adele Tarapt. That's my personal opinion, and it seems to be an overwhelming opinion among Benfiquistas, of course. Um, it's been a good week. I mean, all the podcasts are back up and running again. Shoutouts are going out right now. Azagiej, the girls are back. I missed you, girls. Welcome back. <laughs> I was I got a story about their episode. Um, <laughs> when they were on I was I was still at work okay um and at that point in the night I am I am basically in charge I think it was like 6 p.m. I don't know something like that um and I'm basically in charge at that point uh so I managed to get um a minimized window with with YouTube on it and I managed to um to put their live I've never watched them live before, so I thought that was cool. I was I had my earbuds in pretending to work, and I was watching them live, and I was even interacting on the live chat there on their YouTube, and it was great to uh, to get to 
catch some of that episode. Of course, as soon as I was starting to interact, little did I know one of my my representatives, someone that works under me, uh, who's also a football fan, a Greek football fan, um, a supporter of Panathinaikos, he he sneaks up behind me and just starts laughing. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> And then I was told that the manager was still in the house. And uh, sorry, ladies, I had to um, I had to mute you for a while, and I had to uh, hide the screen. So I missed most of the show, unfortunately. So I was chiming in with basically irrelevant comments, trying to to stay active in the program. But I did catch you on the podcast the very next morning. Great show from the girls this week, of course. Benfica podcast as always top notch. Uh, the return of Steve Santos this week. If you guys haven't heard it, go get it right now. Benfica podcast um, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, A great episode. Uh, Steve brings his his top notch analytical skills. Uh, Chalk talk back to the show this week. Um, not sure if he's going to become a regular. It doesn't sound like it, but he did make the special appearance, and it was great to hear him. Uh, once again, for those of us that, that like the Chalk Talk, obviously, uh, Three Tugas were back this week, and uh, I only caught that earlier today, and I actually recorded most of the podcast you're about to listen to before I had heard it, or I might have had um, a couple of different... I might have had a couple things to say, but but it's all good, and I got to say that... Um, the Sportingista on Three Tugish, Mikey. He he was good this week. Um, I thought his analysis was was on point, very very honest, very very um, accurate assessment of both his own team and of and of ours. He was very accurate on his assessment of Benfica, in my opinion, and um, as well as obviously on his Sporting, as he knows that team better better than I do. But uh, I was really impressed with him this week. He was really on fire. Had good points. He's passionate. Um, very good episode of Three Tugish this week. Um, also, Benfica FEM. I uh, caught that earlier this week. I'd love one day to be on a <laughs> on the on the Concurso Ed Carlos. Uh, I had a few of those right this week. Okay, I had a few of those right this week. But <laughs> I knew. <laughs> But I'll, I'm going to save my answers in case, you know, should that ever happen. Who knows? But um, it was a great episode, and I agreed with a lot of their analysis as well. Lateral Shkirdu. I had a tweet this week where I listed off my playlist on that day. I think it was Tuesday or Thursday. I don't remember. And uh, I listed off the playlist of everything I was going to listen to at work that day. And uh, all those podcasts obviously were in there. And Lateral Shkirdu, as always, um as always, they just 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 blow me out of the water with their analysis. Um, I agreed with with what they were saying as well. Um, really, just all around a good week, good week of podcast listening, good week of Portuguese soccer talk, good week of uh, you know getting ready for the start of the Liga Nage coming up now in less than in less than sixteen hours or so. Uh, first match of the season was played tonight. Bulanish Sad Gold City. Drawing nil nil with I believe Portimonense uh, nil nil. Also, um, when I recorded the news portion of the show that you'll hear in a little bit, I uh, this news had not broken yet or had not been uh, finalized. But I can say it now: Benfica B striker Zagomsh. That's right, Zagolus on loan to Portimonense. If I'm not mistaken, that's where he's going to go on loan this season. And maybe it's an opportunity for him to get some good first team minutes in the first division and maybe he can refine that form he had as the 16-year-old that led Portugal to the U17 uh, European title 
Um, that team really is is showing to have a lot of skill and a lot of talent and depth as those players are starting to make their way into the first teams of their respective clubs. Um, also got a, a message this week from listener, of course, Neil up in, in Toronto. What's up, Neil? Um, my answer, no, 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 no. He's asking everybody. If you listen to the shows, if you listen to the, all the podcasts, he's, he's basically uh, – He's reaching out to all of them. He's got. He's one of the active listeners and one of the feedback givers in pretty much all of them. And he's asking everybody what their thoughts are on Adel Terapt maybe taking on inheriting the number ten. And I am not on board. Sorry, Neil. I I, I hope you're right. Obviously, I want any Benfica player to to have an explosive season and to to and to break out. Um, I don't see it necessarily. I think his role on this team is is to be a very hard worker in training and to push the starters um, very hard and when needed to come in and bring energy. I don't see him as a number 10. Um, I agree with Cynthia from Azagish. I think the number 10 jersey, now that PZ is not going to wear it, should be um, put away for the season. We can revisit this subject next season. Um, I'm a... I'm very much a traditionalist when it comes to that. I hate seeing the some of these numbers. I hate seeing Florentino out there with 61. The man is a legit starter. He needs to be wearing a proper, you know, a proper number for a defensive midfielder, a six or a four. Some six is the six is is Ruben Dias. So I think the four should be the jersey now being worn by um, by. Florentino, just like uh, you know Claude Makélélé did all those years ago at Chelsea, um, I think the four is is a perfect jersey. Cesc Fabregas has also worn it at different stages of his career. He's not really a holding mid, but it is a a number that midfielders will wear, and I think that uh, Florentino deserves a different number than sixty-one. No lie. Um, also, you know. Why isn't Andre Almeida wearing the two by now? I mean, he's been the right back for for ten years. Why is he still wearing thirty four? I'm assuming he wants to keep it at this point. Um, Ninety seven on Ferro, I would I would have changed that already. That's you know that's gonna be that should be a lower number at this point. Um, Yuri Ribeiro left with fifteen. I think the fifteen should have gone to Ferro. I don't know why they keep these kids with these these youth team numbers um, or the B team numbers. I understand it on the B team. I don't understand it when it comes up to the A team. Uh, once a guy has broken into the first team and had a, a season under his belt where he's been a starter, and he's an in, undisputed starter the way that uh, Fehu and Florentino seem to be this season, uh, I would I would absolutely put them in lower numbers. That's just me. What can I say? Um, but that's my take on it, Neil. No, I don't want to see Tarapt in, in the number 10. Not not this season, not really ever. Uh, I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but he just does not have the characteristics that I view a number ten to have. Okay, um, so uh, that's kind of what, what we're dealing with this week. Obviously, it's all about the Super Cup this week. We got some we got some audio to listen to. I got some some audio at the end of the show where you're gonna hear from Bruno Lies. You're gonna hear from Beasy. Uh, also, we're going to hear uh, the call from Antenna Un a couple times on a couple of the goals. And um, what what a, just what a, a result. And I, I do have to say, um, I do have to say that 
this has to be absolutely devastating for Sporting and for their fan base. And I know their fans are angry. And um, I know that they were interviewing a fan outside the stadium who said, you know, the the biggest asset that Sporting have are the fans. The team. He basically said the team has sucked for so long, yet here we are every time. And this particular fan had driven from Germany all the way with his kids to see this Super Cup, to see his team somewhat humiliated. Oh, not somewhat. The the scoreline is humiliating. Although, like I said, I don't think they played so poorly that that scoreline was uh, was merited. But that is that is the game of football. Sometimes, sometimes the ball goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, this could have very easily been the first leg of the Portuguese Cup last season. Could have very easily ended like this, and Benfica would have been the ones going on to the Jamur. Um, but it didn't end that way that day. Uh, Sporting had some of the luck that day. Today, this week, uh, a lot of things went our way. So that's that's a little bit of difference, um, and and that's just the way the ball rolls. At the end of the day, I also. Um, Wanted to let everyone know, um, I have listened several times to that Historia Gloriosa podcast, alright, that thing, that's becoming easily my favorite podcast, uh, hearing about the history of Benfica, but really it ties in nicely to this Super Cup, uh, having listened to uh, the first episode all over again. Benfica and Sporting's histories are so intertwined, you know, and I see why this, the devastation on the Sportingistas. I see it because that club from the day they were founded, um, they were founded with the intention to essentially be what Benfica would become. Okay, they they were the ones that wanted that you know the founders had that in mind. The founders of Benfica were, were twenty four men trying to get together a team uh, to play some football. That's really all it was, and to have a, a social club, if you will. Um, both teams came from from elite uh, backgrounds. Okay, uh, yes, Benfica would become the team of the people, while Sporting would be bankrolled by the Viscount of Alvalade, okay, um, he would be known as José Alvalade, uh, comes from a German family, a French family, excuse me, a French noble family living in, in Lisbon, and that whole neighborhood is, is named Alvalade, he, that's where he gets the title, um, of, I guess you would call him the Lord of Alvalade, and, uh, later gaining the nickname José Alvalade, and his great, great, great grandson, all those years later in the 1990s would be elected almost unanimously as sporting president. José Joquet is the great-great-great-grandson of of José Alvalade. Um, and José Alvalade's real last name was Joquet. So they essentially say, uh, share the same name. But essentially they named the team Sporting Clube de Portugal, not Sport Sporting Clube de Lisboa. That was very intentional because their vision was to be the biggest sports club in Portugal. Their intention was to go abroad, was to win over the scores of people in every country and in the colonies at that time. Um, and history would play out differently. Benfica would end up taking that title. And I see a little bit where that, that envy, that jealousy comes from because Benfica have become everything that the founders of Sporting, you know, desired to be that they envisioned for themselves um irony is that you know they call themselves sporting club de portugal but if you want to vote in the general election even if you're a socio living anywhere in the world you got to find you got to get yourself to lisbon for the assemblea geral to vote benfica is not like that benfica is throughout the world um 
you know, and we are Benfica does it doesn't have you know Benfica's bigger than Lisbon. Benfica's bigger than the Benfica neighborhood, obviously. But it just shows the dimension that the club had. You know, there was Sport Lisboa. They merged with Sport Benfica to make Sport Lisboa e Benfica. Okay, neighborhood team that grew up that went on to conquer the world essentially and become the symbol of Portuguese. Uh, of Portuguese culture and of Portuguese people all over the world in all the immigrant communities. So I, I got watching the game with that understanding really added a little element of it to me, uh, for me I should say. And um, lastly, I before we hit the news, I want to thank everybody for um, checking out my first episode of Jata Jata Carioca, my very first recording in Portuguese. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't thrilled with what it sounded like. Um, I'm just still getting used to the sound of my voice in English, um, and now hearing it in Portuguese, not at all what I thought I sounded like. Um, I... uh, yeah, it was a lot harder than I thought. It's one thing to speak Portuguese off the cuff in a conversation. Uh, another thing to to um, to record when 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 that record button is on is hit and it's rolling. It there were times you know the words just didn't didn't come to me. But um, it's something that I want to keep doing. It's something I've always wanted to do. I do want to produce content in both languages, so I'm gonna work at that. And um, I hope everyone that checked it out enjoyed it. I hope you guys could understand me. Um, again, I felt like uh, at times I'm not sure that I was able to to successfully convey the, convey what I was trying to say. But again, you got to start somewhere. And um, episode two should drop at some point uh, this week, I would think, where I'm going to talk about the next two matches, um, the elimination from the Copa do Brasil for Flamengo, and um, yeah, and, and practice some more of my Portuguese. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, what we got for tonight. Again. Um, we're going to talk all about the Super Cup. But first, it's the return of the news. All right, so stay right there. Of course, I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. Find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Okay, we're going to we're gonna roll as we always do. We're going to roll an ad, pay a bill. we got Reconquista coming up, and on the backside, it is the news. Week 1 of the football season in Portugal. Stay right there. Don't move a muscle. We will be back. This is... Mr. Benfica, episode 24, Mambo, number five. Sagrada é vez pesada 
acha do que é nós por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo All right, without further ado, let's get into the first edition of the news for the 2019-2020 season here. Uh, we're going to start it off with uh, news this week. Um, finally got a confirmation. I'd been reaching out to Gold TV for, for a while. Um, finally got confirmation when it showed up on my Fubo TV listing. Um, never did hear back from Gold TV. But it is official. Liga Nage returns to Gold TV Espanol in the United States this year. That's right. Liga Nage returns to La Plantaja de Gold TV, as they say. Um, it will be in Spanish again, as it uh, has been the past two seasons. Of course, Benfica's home matches remain on BTV as well. The choice is yours where you like to hear it. Um, Benfica also offloaded Chris Willock from the B team uh, yesterday on loan to West Brom, where he will join Krovinovic. Uh, interesting loan move there for the, the young English Winger, uh, really, unfortunately for him, no place in the team for him this year. Once again, um, just he happens to play the position where the club is just so deep at. <laughs> you know, there's just, um, with the introduction of Shikinu and uh, the emergence of Jota, there's really no, no place, unfortunately, for Chris Willock right now. Uh, he's going to go on loan to West Brom. Um, Perhaps uh, if West Brom can get themselves promoted, this could be a big move for Willock, as well as Kravinovich, who is already there. Um, Benfica Loney, okay, here stateside, Keaton Parks, named NYCFC's Player of the Month for July. So that's, that is promising, because Keaton was having a hard time there at the beginning of the season in finding playing time. Um... You know, the manager had said he just he was happy with everything Keaton was doing, but just the opportunity to play him hadn't presented itself yet. Well, guess what? When uh, Copa America, Gold Cup, and uh, the other and the African Nations Cup all came up, and um, international duty called several players away from NYCFC, Keaton stepped up, and Keaton has won over his position in the team as he continues to be a regular starter now for New York City FC. Also, in the news this week, João Cancelo's move from Juventus to Manchester City will mean 1.8 million euros in solidarity payments to Benfica. As Benfica, remember, is the his youth club and is the club uh, where he did his his uh, where he did his formation, if you will, where he um, Benfica is his homegrown club. And therefore, Benfica entitled to 1.8 million in solidarity payments. Not a bad receipt to catch on a player who, unfortunately, never really played for the A team. He was sold from the B team, loaned out, and then sold, and um, just continues to play for massive teams. He's gone from Valencia to Inter to Juventus now to be the chosen right back for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. Best of luck, of course, to... 
João Cancelo, who for me, when he's on form, is one of the top two or three right backs in the world and um, uh, a staple in the Portuguese national team. I think Portugal actually has two of the top five right backs in the world. In my opinion, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think Nelson Semedo, also a Befica product, is also um, in that in that um, category, even if they don't necessarily agree at the Camp Nou. Um, everything he I've seen from him has been good. Every time he steps into the national team, he is solid. So um, a very good record right now of Benfica in developing uh, outside backs, whether it be right or left side. Um, also, Benfica will be presented on Saturdays, uh, in the pregame to Saturday's Liga Nage opener against Passos de Ferreira, they will be presented with the trophy for winning the International Champions Cup. This is uh, planned for the pregame ceremony, like I said, uh, where Benfica will lift the trophy. And um, uh, a, a very, very um, good accomplishment for Benfica this preseason in winning the most prestigious preseason tournament there is. Yes, more prestigious than the Cinque Violinus. Um, if you want to call that a tournament. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, there's that number again, Cinco Five. That, that, that's the theme today, isn't it? The theme this week is the number five. Um, but that is the news for this week. Nothing else really going on right now. It's rumors back and forth, but nothing concrete. Um, as more details become, become facts, of course, uh, we'll talk about it going forward, so stay right there, and we are going to get into the Super Taça, Cândido de Oliveira, at the Estádio do Algarve, Benfica, and Sporting, okay, stay right there, here's a, a little bit of audio, and on the other side, we're going to start breaking down the match, this is Mr. Benfica, I am the Mr. Mike Agostino, find me on Twitter, at Benfica Mr., and on Instagram, at Mr. Benfica. Destaque ainda para Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes tem estado muito cerrado no lado esquerdo. Por um lado percebe-se a intenção, mas por outro lado perde peso específico na equipe. Grande jogada, tabulinha Pizzi, Nuno Tavares, corta o Sporting, recupera o Benfica, Rafa, atrasou o Benfica, gol! Sounded on Portuguese radio, Antena 1, of course. Um, 
and we will get into we will get to that point in the first half very shortly. But uh, that's what it sounded like across uh, the radios all over the world, wherever people were tuned in to Antenna U. Um, so we are at the Stadio do Algarve in Faro. Okay, Faro in the Algarve region. This match broadcast on RTPI for us here in North America. Um, perhaps on some other networks in different parts of the world. Uh, the broadcast begins with a musical performance, which ki- delays the kickoff of the match, and it is Portuguese uh, Portuguese band Expensive Soul playing. And um, the, for my first, my first reaction is, what are these people doing to the field? <laughs> what are they doing to the pitch? As I, I just, you see Expensive Soul there playing, and then the extras on on the pitch jumping up and down like they're at an actual concert. And uh, I hate, I nothing against the band, okay? <laughs> I hate these types of. Once this is another thing that reminds me of of North American sports that I cannot stand. And for a second, I had to check and make sure I hadn't tuned into the International Champions Cup for more shenanigans. Um, but no, it was in fact a on-field performance by Expensive Soul and uh, and all the extras jumping up and down on the pitch, and I'm just, eh. But uh, the cameras start to show shots of the players in the tunnel waiting for the performance to end as the players compliment each other and shake hands and get in a little bit of, of small talk. Uh, camera panning the crowd. We see sporting fans dancing and, um, well... They're gonna look much different in in a in a short time. Sporting fans and those smiles are gonna are gonna sadly disappear. Uh, then we see Fernand Santos, national team coach Fernand Santos, getting in a selfie while expensive soul wraps up their performance. All right, and um, teams walk out just as the song Amore Magico ends. O Amore Magico is the name of the final song that uh, expensive soul was playing. And just as it ends, out come the three teams, led by referee Nuno Almeida from the Associação do Algarve, local referee, refereeing in his home region. Um, first first time refereeing a Clásico. I believe this was one of the first times he'd refereed a match of, of the of top level. And he was heavily criticized on Trio de Tac after the match um, by... Maybe was it on Trio de Tac? He was he was criticized by one of the Sporting fans. No, it was on Sporting TV where he was so heavily criticized. I saw the video on YouTube. Every time a goal went in, the complaint was about the referee. <laughs> and then he complained about only getting not getting enough stoppage time after the fifth goal. Yeah, a a Sporting TV commentator actually complained that there wasn't enough stoppage time at the end of the match. Uh, also complained about how. You know, uh, Dumbia being sent off in the 90th minute in a 4 nothing match. He says a, a, a good referee would never do that. I disagree. I think a good referee makes the call that that the play calls for. He does not. He's not influenced by the time of the match. He's not influenced by the the location on the pitch where the foul occurs. A foul is a foul wherever it happens in the first minute, in the 90th minute. Does not matter. A yellow card is a yellow card. A red card is a red card. That's the way I see the game. That's the way I'd like to see it refereed. I obviously um, 
uh, I obviously disagree with, with the, the commentators there on Sporting TV that uh, it was on YouTube watching them just miserably, miserably get through the game, and they, they literally stopped commentating and just complained as the match went on. They, they didn't even say the word goal once <laughs> as their team picked the ball up out of their net so many times. Uh, um, the coaches for this match, of course, the managers, Bruno Lage for Benfica and Marcel Kaiser for Sporting. Benfica's 11 in goal. Odi across the back. Nuno Tavares on the right. Ferro, Ruben, and Grimaldo in the midfield. Florentino playing in the hole in his natural position, pairing up with Gabriel as the box-to-box midfielder, while Rafa and Pizzi will line up wide and find their way inside. The striker tandem today, as expected, was RDT and Seferovic. Raul de Tomas making his official debut in an official competition with Benfica, the 20 million euro striker um, who joined Benfica in this offseason from Real Madrid, having spent, of course, last season on loan to Rajo Vallecano in the Spanish First Division. Sporting's 11 in goal, Renan. Uh, five across the back for Sporting. Thierry Correa, Neto, uh, Sebastian Coates, um, Jeremy Mathieu, and I'm going to borrow a name from Azagiej. That's right, I'm going to borrow it. <laughs> Acuna Matata, the Lion King, <laughs> at left back for for uh, Sporting. Acuna Matata uh, in midfield. Wendell, Dumbia, Rafinha, uh, um, yeah, Wendell Dumbia and Rafinha, sorry, a three-man midfield with Bazdost and Bruno Fernandes playing in attack. Um, and Sporting playing with the old-fashioned sweeper in this match, Neto, uh, no, sorry, Coates functioning as the sweeper, the libero, if you will. Um, interesting, de- interesting decision by Kaiser to come out this way against Benfica. Um, not really the time to be experimenting, but uh, I think he felt his team very overmatched in this game. And I think what he, what Kaiser was thinking is with the way that Rafa and Pizzi start outside and come inside and score so many goals, the idea of putting a three-man, three central defenders with a sweeper and two stoppers, if you will, was the idea was to plug up that space and prevent those... Um, those two midfielders, especially from coming in, were trying to clog the middle. But uh, it was a decision that that I think, for for a large chunk of the match, seemed to be to be beneficial for Sporting. But over time, Bifica did find their chances, and once the gates were blown open, um, it was a formation that left Sporting quite handicapped, and it was hard to dig out um, until Kaiser, of course, made the necessary substitutions later. Um, the Captains for the match, PZ and Bruno Fernandes for the coin toss. All right, as the PA announcer gets both sets of fans fired up. Uh, kickoff goes to Sporting. It gets started by Baz Dost. In the first minute, Nuno Tavares pl- uh, plays a ball for PZ, and it is hooked right out of bounds. Um, as the young defender uses, again, his preferred left foot, which is to the inside because he's playing as a right back. And already, he just does not have the angle to make the pass he was trying to make on it. That pass has to come off his right foot. And um, I don't want to sound like I'm picking on this young kid, okay? Um, because I, this is not his fault. He 
is not a right back. He's being asked to do something because there's nobody else available. Okay, um, this is very concerning for me. Even after this match, I'm very concerned about that side of our defense, about that side of the field, because he's out of position, and PZ does not bring much in in way of of uh, defensive shape or defensive quality. I uh, I expected Sporting to attack that side a lot more than they did. Um, with Acuna and with Bruno Fernandes playing on that side, I was shocked that Sporting were so unsuccessful over the course of the 90 minutes at attacking that side of the pitch. Um, later in the first minute, still, PZ gets a cross-off, but it's cleared by Machu. Uh, in the second minute, Sporting comes down Benfica's right side, like I just said, and this time it's Bruno Fernandes walking in, and his cross for Bazdost is misplayed by Ferro. Ferro gets gets there first, but Ferro has no chance to set his feet. And while he's in motion, he tries to knock the ball out for a either a corner kick or clear it wide. And he ends up putting a shot on his own goal that is saved fantastically by Odie Vlacodimo, the goalie for Benfica, avoiding an own goal and giving a corner right off the bat to Sporting. Alright, and but Fernandes' corner is dealt with and cleared by Fejo, who, who picks himself up quickly after that error. Um, and interestingly enough, for, for like a minute to a minute and a half here, Befica's left side corridor, Grimaldo and Pizzi, were lining up on the right, while Nuno Tavares and Rafa were playing on the left here. And this was the way that they set up to defend Bruno's corner. Um... It was a it was a set piece def defense, so this might have been something Befica was working on on the training pitch during the week to prepare for this match. And uh, a few minutes later, the the two the two sets of players swapped back to their normal sides. There, uh, Spartans start better than Befica. I noted um, they had two solid opportunities in the first five minutes, and in the sixth minute, Nuntavaraj misplays the ball, and Bruno Fernandes fires a first time shot. From about 30 yards, no trouble for Odiseas, though. Um, the ball goes out. Eighth minute, uh, RDT goes down at the edge of the penalty area. Referee signals to get up in Sporting counter, but the counterattack would be broken up. It was the first of many plays broken up by none other than Florentino Luiz in Benfica's midfield. Absolute rock in midfield for Benfica. Uh, eighth minute, Neto clear, he clears out RDT from behind. Um, as the Spaniard was trying to turn goalward on a on a driven pass from Gabriel Nuno, uh, Luis Neto, excuse me, comes in and just absolutely clears him out. Eleventh minute, Rafinha cuts into cuts it into his preferred left foot, and he has Thierry op uh, overlapping him. But Rafinha decides to keep the ball, and he pays for it when he is dispossessed by the midfield rock that is Tino. Florentino Luiz again winning another ball, destroying another attack um, that Sporting had going. And I think Rafinha would have been better suited to play the young Portuguese outside back, Thierry Correa, um, as he was overlapping into wide open space. Instead decided to keep the ball on his left foot and he paid the ultimate price. To, um, I also noted at that point that Florentino, Nuntavares, Thierry and Luis Neto are all playing in their first derby match. So this was a big day for the four of those guys. 13th minute, Pizzi tries to thread the needle to Grimaldo, but Sporting intercept and counter again. 
through Rafinha, who again is stopped by who else? Florentino Luiz breaking up another counter. That's what this guy does. He does it better than anybody else. And right now, I that is why he is in there over Samadish. Um, I think you're going to see the best of Florentino is going to be in the Champions League. In the games where he's going to be called on even more to play his game, which is this this game of destroyer. This he Everybody's criticizing his, his inability to go forward. Okay, And there are games where that inability is going to be you know, exposed. And we saw it down the stretch last season when Befico were playing against teams that were sitting in deep who had no interest in attacking them. Florentino had a harder time. But in matches like this one, and, you know, the, the big matches against the Spartans, the Ports, the Bragas, the Guimarães, even the Hiwavs this year, who I think is going to have a very good season, Hiwav, um, Florentino will be will be good because it, he will be needed in the, in defending those counterattacks, in those transitions, okay? Florentino, very, very talented in that uh, aspect of the game. Um, there will be games, in my opinion, if I were coaching the team, there will be games that call for Samadish to play there due to the, just the necessity to go forward given the opponent we're playing. But no doubting the ability and uh, just how strong Florentino Luiz was in this match. A very, very good match played by him. Um, and I think you're going to hear his name quite a bit in this first half, especially when Sporting were better and where Sporting were creating more chances. Florentino broke a lot of those chances up. 15th minute, Wendell turns away from pressure and breaks. He finds Bruno Fernandes, who plays it wide to Acuna. Acuna makes a driven cross that uh, Odie comes out and double fists it away from danger. Nice play, nice uh, quick thinking from the Greek international goalkeeper in Benfica's goal. Um, of course, as we spoke about in the last episode, all the rumors of a new keeper coming in to Benfica this summer has done nothing but really motivate, it seems, Odie Blacodimos here, as he has really stepped up his game in goal early this season. 16th minute, Sporting have a corner taken by Acuna. Benfica break on the counter, and they play Seferovic in on goal. But at the last second, the very last second, his left-footed effort is blocked by Thierry. Thierry Correa uh, comes from nowhere, sprints across the pitch, and just gets his toe in front of the shot at the very last second. Very good job tracking by the young defender for Sporting. Um, this is a player that I really, really... On first notice, I said, oh, he's pretty good. But when I watched this game again, and when I stopped when I stopped the tape or stopped the film or stopped the video, however you want to word it, and I played it back, when I watched some of these plays and you play it back, he had a lot and a lot of, of good plays in this game. Yes, yes, he was beaten on a couple of the goals. Um, he was unfortunate. But this young kid is good. I think he was... After watching it a second time and really watching it thoroughly, I think he was Sporting's best player in this match. Um, in his, uh, you know, first ever start with the with the first team at Sporting. And Sporting are having trouble at this point now building out, uh, building out of the back because RDT is applying some heavy pressure, and he's doing a great job pressuring and forcing errant passes every time the Lions try to play through the central corridor. That ball is given away. So their attack, they're, when they're playing the ball wide, Sporting, and coming forward, 
they're having some success, but eventually that pass has to come inboard. It has to come into the central corridor. It's got to, they, they're looking for, for Dumbia and for Wendell specifically um, so that they can link up to Bazdost and Bruno Fernandes. But every time they find they look for those two guys in the middle, Benfica are smothering it, which is a very good setup. And Benfica tactically very, very superior to Sporting in this match. And I'm not the only one saying this. It was on the Literal Scare the podcast. Um, it was it was said in the broadcast on RTP. Uh, this is not you know me giving a biased Benfica view. Um, it's just a matter of fact that Benfica were tactically much better in this match. Um, I think that was the major difference. Oh, 1 through 11, Sporting are competitive with Benfica. They can match up with them uh, in the first 11. Once the match went to the bench, however, um, big difference. Benfica, Benfica have more options on the bench. They didn't really have to use them that much. But when Sporting needed to go to the bench, the options just were not there for the Lions in this one. Um, 19th minute, PZ wins the ball off of a Nuno Tavares header. Carries it toward goal and is fouled at the edge of the area by Acuna Matata. <laughs> Acuna sees the yellow card caution and Grimaldo's ensuing left foot direct kick is scooped up and smothered by Renan. 23rd minute. Benfica counter again. This time Pizzi plays the long diagonal to Rafa who runs it down but he is quickly closed down by the equally quick Thierry once again. He wins the ball away from Rafa, and the ball, but the ball will go out of play and be Benfica's ball. But another good recovery by, by the young uh, Portugal youth international, Thierry Correa. Um, 25th minute here. Florentino and Gabriel are in complete control of the middle third of the match, while the back four of Benfica now are playing their usual high line. And what this does, you can see, is they shrink the field for Sporting. And Sporting's trying to build up, like I said, trying to come into that, that middle corridor, central corridor, trying to build up play so that they can link to their forwards. They're having no success because Benfica's line is up so high. Shrinking that field, there's just no space for Sporting to play in between the lines. The only option is to go over the top, and, and when they try that, Benfica deal with it very easily. Obviously, Odie also playing high. Uh, very hard when Benfica's press is on, and when their high line is on, and those passing lanes are cut, there's very few teams in Portugal that can exploit that. And in the 28th now, Bruno Fernandes, um, he, he launches a right-footed rocket that is parried wide by Odi. Maybe the best save of the game by Odiseas, Vlacodimo. Um, Coates is, he foregoes his midfield like we just said. This time he lofts one up high and long and finds Basdost. Basdost on his second touch finds Bruno Tavares. I'm sorry, finds Bruno Fernandes. And Bruno Fernandes, without, without a second's thought, he, uh, he hits one with the inside of his right foot. And the Portugal international fires it first time from 22 yards. Um, but Greece's international goalkeeper is just one step better as he gets his palm out to it and parries the ball wide. And if not for Odi at this point, the Lions would be ahead if not for a couple good saves from Vlacodimos. 32nd minute. It's Florentino again breaking up another string of passes as Sporting are starting to find some rhythm now. And after a good phase of possession in Benfica's middle third, it's broken up by Florentino and, and Benfica deal with it and move out um, move out in possession of their own. 
Five minutes later, this 37th minute Sporting with the best play of the match thus far. Tia He once again receives from Rafinha and he starts carrying it centrally. He beats Rafa on this one and a high stepping Ferro steps hard and high. Um, and just before losing his balance, um, Tia He will, will switch the point of attack beautifully. All the way out to the left to Acuna. Acuna then plays in Bruno Fernandes unmarked. And Bruno Fernandes decides to have it himself and shoots a shot that's saved by Odie. But if he had just looked up, it would have been 1-0 to Sporting. Because Bazdost was onside, walking in, steps away from the goal line. He just a few, a few steps, a few strides from the goal line. It would have been an easy tap-in for the 1-0 lead for Sporting. Bruno Fernandes this time kept it himself, didn't look up. And fortunately for Benfica, he made the wrong decision and it allowed Odie to make a nice save. And the Dutch international, Bas Dost, cannot believe him. So he's beside himself that Portugal's reigning player of the year did not see him unmarked. Literally three steps off the goal line. Um, Benfica very fortunate at this point not to be um, down. And in the 39th minute... Just a few minutes later, Sporting pay for that inefficiency. After a minute of build-up play, Florentino finds Gabriel. Gabriel plays it to a back-checking RDT. With his back to goal, RDT looks and plays a square ball to PZ. PZ takes a couple of steps, looks up, and plays a brilliant diagonal ball across, across the penalty area to the far side of the penalty area onto the stride. Um... Onto the stride of Rafa and the European Euro 16 champion. Uh, hits a first time volley with the inside of his left foot. And he puts it far post past Hanan. And Hanan has no chance at this one as he's still, he's still sidestepping across the face of goal to his right. The ball comes and goes all the way back to his left. His feet are not even set. He has no chance of changing the direction of his body. And the ball finds its way into the far post. Benfica ahead. 1-0 in the 40th minute. Uh, Rafa scores on a beautiful assist from PZ. Uh, the red half of the Stadio do Algarve is on its feet. And as everyone around him is going crazy, Bruno Lage stands looking stoic as ever. Just looking and pondering and probably calculating his next move. Um, and like I said, Renan coming across the face of his goal. He was caught mid-stride, never had a chance to set his feet. There was no way he was going to be able to change um, direction of his body or the momentum of his body to go back to his left and go get that ball that Rafa so coolly slotted in to the far post. It was a tough moment for uh, Sporting's Tia. He, a guy I've, I've already made several mentions of, and he'd been brilliant all half, but on this one he allows Rafa to get goal side of him and get the goal. Uh, 44th minute now. Bruno Fernandes with the long switch to Acuna again. Acuna who turns, I'm sorry, who tries his luck from long range, but it's well wide of the mark uh, to Odie's left. 45th minute now, Sporting with, an, with a free kick from about 40 yards out. And we see Nel, uh, assistant coach Nelson Verissimo up on the sideline shouting instructions as Lige sits and studies the play. Um... And that's when the commentator on RTP explains to all of us that 
set pieces are the specialty of Nelson Verissimo. He coaches the set pieces, he sets them up, and that's why he's the one giving instructions and defending this set piece. And with that free kick, um, nothing comes of it for Sporting, and we go to the halftime whistle with Benfica leading a goal, 2-0. Um, overall, very, very, um, very evenly played first half, uh, if not slightly better from Sporting than from Benfica in this first half. Um, Benfica well set up, well, well um, placed tactically, making good decisions with Sporting matching them, if not even being a little bit better than them in that first half. Really good half, ironically, from Sporting, despite the scoreline. But Sporting's lack of efficiency has come back to bite them. And as the players head in to the the team room for the halftime team talk, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back, and we will talk about the second half. Right after this, this is Mr. Befica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. Find me on Twitter at Befica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Befica. Stay right there and we'll be right back with the second half. Rafa, Rafa tenta passar por Terry Correia. Terry Correia não larga ainda. Rafa, pé direito, pé esquerdo, entrada grande área. Pise, second half now, and we're returning to the Estadio do Algarve on RTP. Daddy Yankees con calma. Yo quiero ver como Ella Manea is playing, right? And it's a, it's a remake of the great, great 90s hit Informer by the one Daddy Snow. That's right, shout out to the six. Once again, I seem to be shouting out Toronto every week on this show. Um, and I'm, I haven't even talked about the NBA yet this season. But yes, shout out to the six Toronto, Canada. Um, Snow, a product of the rapper Snow, a product of that great city. And uh, this 20 years later, maybe more than that, 25 years later, this remake by Puerto Rican reggaeton artist Daddy Janky um, is playing in the Stadio do Algarve um, as the, they then show us a few first half highlights. And then the thing I cannot stand about RTP, a chance for some good analysis. Go to the studio, go to the pitch side, go to the announcers, give us some analysis on the first half. No, let's show a thousand commercials and two music videos. 
So, uh, the first, the second half, clearly, um, still not, not about to start, still on delay. Four, five, six minutes later, we see players return to the pitch. First, it's the Spartan players coming onto the pitch, onto the pitch, excuse me, as the camera finds its way to the Tribuna Special, the, the, the executive, uh, suites or the luxury suites, the presidential suites, if you will, as we see three presidents uh, standing together, that's Luis Felipe Vieira, president of Benfica, Federico Varandas, president of Sporting, and of course, President Marcelo, president da República de Portugal, the Portuguese president Marcelo, um, also in the tribuna with the club presidents. And Benfica are late coming out of the changing room. They're the last team out. Rafa, the last player out onto the pitch. And Seth gets us started by playing the ball back to Tino. And the second half is underway. And Grimaldo goes in the book less than one minute in for a foul on Rafinha. Uh, 46 minute here. Tia, he once again zigzagging through the Benfica players until he is met and stopped by Ferro. Um, another chance created by the young wide player from Sporting, the Sporting Academy product, Tia Correa, uh, of course, shares a first name with a very famous attacking player from France. That's right. We all know who that is. Um, 50th minute here. Fehu now cautioned by referee Nuno Almeida for a professional foul on Rafinha, stopping the Lions' counterattack early in the second half. Uh, one minute later, 51st minute, Rafinha again, this time splitting Nuntavaj and Gabriel. But the Brazilian's left-footed effort is way off the mark and uh, does not trouble Odisseas at that point. Benfica, again, a little bit on the back foot to start the second half. Uh, 54th minute, RDT fires one uh, from some distance, but it's right at Hanan as we're told that substitutes begin warming up for both teams at this moment. 57th minute, excellent switch um, of the point of attack by Gabriel. He plays a long ball horizontally to Grimaldo, but Grimaldo uh, is a step, I don't want to say he's lazy, but he's he's uh, a little unalert there. Um, his, his his alertness is a little off, and he is quickly robbed by Thierry Correa, who was quicker to the ball, and he was able to play it off Grimaldo, and it would go all the way out for a Spartan goal kick. Another good play by the young Portuguese defender. Uh, 57th minute. Still the 57th minute, I should say. Rafa carrying from left to center. Finding an open Pizzi in the central corner. Pizzi gives a beautiful heel flick to Nuno Tavares, who plays right back to Pizzi into space. Uh, Pizzi plays first time back to Rafa. And Rafa tries to continue the give-and-go all the way into the box, but his touch is a bit heavy, and it's it's uh, sweep, swept up by Coates. But Coates, in his, um, clum he clumsily takes the ball and dribbles right into Mathieu. They collide. The ball is there for Rafa, who keeps running after the, the poor pass, or after the bad touch, I should say. Wins back the ball. Plays it to Pizzi, who's wide open and who slots a first-time shot in for the goal. Right-footed, in-step, on the inside of his foot to Renan's left. Renan has no time to react. Uh, Pizzi's that close to the ball. Again, Renan's feet not set as he is slightly shifting left. And the ball go, or I should say slightly shifting to his right. And the ball goes to his left. He has no chance to get his body square and to launch it the other way. 
and he's very late in getting across to it. By the time Renan gets down to his left, the ball is already in the back of the goal. Befica lead 2-0 as uh, they score right in front of their supporters at the, I believe that was the south end of the Stadio do Algarve. And the Befica fans are beginning to sense that uh, the Super Cup could be ours at this point. Sporting looking a little confused and looking a little frustrated and hard done by the current result as they don't feel. And I would agree to an extent that they have not played poorly enough to be down 2-0. However, their mistakes have absolutely cost them. Whether it was their mistakes in the attacking third and finishing or in the defensive third, this was just a horrible, horrible bit of, of play from their back line here. As I noted, PZ makes it 2-0. After um, from Rafa, after Sporting's defenders reenact a three stages comedy set, trying to play the ball out of that area, um, Coates dribbles right into Metu, and they collide with each other. The ball squirts out perfectly for Rafa, who's still who's pressuring, and Seven Nation Army is blasting from the PA as the crowd is on their feet, and the Aguiers add to the lead. One minute later, RDT plays Rafa in. Sporting players stop, raise their hands for offside. The referee's flag is actually up, but play continues. Rafa tries to square to PZ. PZ can't quite get a good touch on it. Not sure it was the best pass either from Rafa, and nothing comes of it. But Bruno Fernandes is cautioned on the play for protesting um, as the referee's assistant puts his flag up and then quietly takes it down after Nuno Almeida does not give the offside. Um, it looked pretty obvious that had this ended up in a goal, uh, VAR would have called it back, assuming that VAR was in use in this match. I, I believe I heard them say that this is one that VAR would have called back. Um, 60 sec second minute now, Beasy dispossess dispossesses... Uh, he dispossesses Wendell easily as Sporting are trying to play out of the back despite the pressure. And PZ finds RDT. RDT shielding the ball, going for a spin noob. And Sebastian Coates comes in with an absolutely criminal challenge. Um, absolutely no chance of getting anything but RDT's legs in this play. The Uruguayan was lucky to stay on the pitch after this as this was definitely a foul worthy of a sending off. Referee settles for the yellow card caution and gives the free kick to Benfica. Um, perhaps five to seven yards uh, in front of the the top of the penalty area. It was a nasty leg scissors challenge from Coates. Uh, his, his right foot comes in and makes contact, doesn't get the ball, and just for good measure brings the left leg across and absolutely just scissors uh Raul de Tomas's legs. Um, I don't know, honestly, how he stayed on the pitch after this tackle. This was brutal. However, he would pay the ultimate price. And, you know, one minute later, Grimaldo's left-footed free kick goes around and over the wall, dips down, kisses off the left post, and though Renan gets a finger on it, there's no keeping that ball out with the spin that was on it, um, spinning towards goal. Uh, it just spun right off of his hands and into the goal. Benfica ahead 3-0 now, and Sporting hit panic mode. And at this point, I am thanking Coates for, in the span of five minutes, completely handing the game to Benfica, because that's exactly what he did. 
as an experienced central defender. That is absolutely pitiful from the Uruguayan international. Um, one of the worst, one of the worst uh, displays of defending, and of of you know experience defending or of an experienced defender I've ever seen. Absolutely hands the game to Benfica at that point. There's no coming back for Sporting now. Benfica fans are euphoric while Sporting fans look completely stunned. You, the camera hits the Sporting bench and everybody's looking on with a blank stare. Nobody knows what just happened. Kaiser quickly gets the double substitution on in the 66th. Luis Philippe replaces Bazdost and Diaby replaces Coates before Coates finds himself sent off and Sporting down to 10. Good move there by the Mr. Uh, Marcel Kaiser. However, lots of questions are going to be asked of him uh, from his fans in this one. Um, Sporting at this point scraps the three center back idea, but it's too little too late for the Lions in that regard. 68th minute, it continues as Neto plays a poor pass out of the back looking for Wendell. It's intercepted by Florentino, who quickly finds RGT, who threads the needle to Seth, but Seth's left-footed effort is stopped by Hanan. And at that point, the co commentator begins to raise his voice. It was the color commentator, or the co-commentator. And he just goes, Oh, Sporting, tem que acordar. In Sporting, must wake up. At the same time, the, the lead announcer tells us Nelson Verissimo off his bench again. Um, as this was a corner, setting up this corner kick, yelling at Benfica for more energy. And he's telling Benfica to go for the kill while Sporting is disoriented. While the enemy is disoriented, trying to, trying to regain its focus, it's time to go for the kill, is what Verissimo is telling his players. And those Benfica don't... Uh, don't finish on this opportunity, this corner kick. They got the message because Benfica really uh, picks up the pace at this point. And Benfica's superior fitness now is starting to show as we're hitting the final 20 minutes of the match. And Benfica's going at full speed still. And Sporting is starting to drag. Uh, Wendell tries his luck in the 70th, but it, it, it does not bother Odie at all. Um, Acuna's cross finds Rafinha, but the Brazilian's completely off balance. And again, no trouble for Odie. 75th minute, Gabriel finds Rafa down the left. Rafa gets the best of Thierry Clay on this one. He beats him inside, and then he finds PZ. And PZ, with one bit of absolute brilliance, okay, with the inside of his right foot, he takes the perfectly calculated heavy touch. It, was, it wasn't overly heavy. It was just enough to push the ball into the open space as he easily beats both Neto and uh, in du uh, um, in <laughs> Dumbia, Dumbias, thank you, I forgot how to pronounce his name for a second. <laughs> BT splits Neto and Dumbia, and then slots a comfortable left-footed pass into the far pose, into the far corner of the goal. It's 4-0 Befica, and the route is on, and the tears are flowing on the green side of the stadium. Um... Benfica turning this into an absolute massacre at this point. Um, humiliation starting to set in for Sporting. Uh, this result's a bit heavy-handed. It's a bit unjust in my opinion. I don't think Sporting deserved to be humiliated this way with the effort they put forward and with uh, even the execution they had going in the first, first hour of the match. They were right there with Benfica until, of course, none other than Coates handed the game over. 
Um, so if I were a Sporting fan, I'd be very angry with that player. Uh, he single-handedly turned this game on its head, gave it away to Benfica, and there's no looking back at this point. It's now 4-0, BZ from Rafa. The floodgates are open and the route is on. The levy is broken. There's nothing now to save Sporting at this point. And the camera shows the now viral shot that's been all over the internet, all over Twitter, of the young Spartan girl with the the young Spartan fan, young girl, with green and white face paint, two stripes painted on her cheeks, um, you know, crying. And uh, that, unfortunately, I don't really like, um, I'm not a fan of using children or even, you know, teenagers or kids as, um, as, as a, a, the butt of a joke, or the butt of a, um, social media joke, um, you know, we all, we all feel, and we all experience the game differently, and, um, listen, if it had been Benfica down 4-0, uh, uh, there's plenty of, of young fans that would have had the same face and had the same tears rolling, and I don't think they deserve to, to be worldwide viral, you know, memes of them crying like that. Um, an unfortunate uh, part of the game there, but nonetheless, um, it tell that picture tells the story of a thousand words, and uh, an abs absolutely deflated fan base for Sporting at this point. Uh, the players could feel it, the fans could feel it. Kaiser, he he has the stare on his face, and it's a it's a look I know I've been there, and it's just a what have I done kind of feeling. It's like, did I, did I set my team up for this? And, and no doubt, Kaiser's a good manager. He's a good coach. And there's no doubt there was some serious reflection on his part as to whether or not he felt he, uh, he set his team up for failure. We all, we live with that when we, when we, it's, it's the, the good with the bad, you know, you, you, get the credit sometimes for setting up your team to, to victory and sometimes the truth is as a manager you make the wrong decision even with the best intentions and you set your team up for disaster and I think that's what happened to the Dutch uh, manager in this matchup and of course he ran into just a, a team in Befica that since Bruno Lage has been in charge have have just punished teams you know um, mercilessly uh, for mistakes the the hundred plus goals last year, a large number of that, a large percentage of that, was just, you know, punishing teams for mistakes they made near their goal. Okay, Benfica are just deadly in transition. So if you give them a chance to go into transition, you're in big trouble. And uh, Benfica would show that in this match. 80th minute now, and this is when concern comes in. And I know. Some have criticized Bruno Lage's lack of subbing or holding on too long to sub, and perhaps that's a fair, a fair criticism here. As in the 80th minute in his first game back, Gabriel goes down injured once again in his first official match back, and he could very easily have been off the pitch at this point. I understand why he wasn't. The, the, the manager's trying to get him his fitness back. He's trying to get him ready for 90 minutes. He's trying to get him match fit. And in the in the process of doing that, unfortunately, uh, injury reared its ugly head. This time on his other knee, on his good knee, um, a definite intors, as they're saying, a a a, a slight um, 
I'm not sure that it's a, if it's a tear or if it's just a uh, hyperextension. Um, I'm not sure exactly the severity to his, his injury. I'm not that good with the Portuguese medical terms. Um, I usually have to look them up. But uh, it is said that it will be four to five weeks on the shelf for Benfica's very, very important number eight. And um, very frustrating for those for, for the team, for the player, for the fans who just see how important this player is. Um, obviously, Lige would make the substitution now due to injury as Chiquinho comes on. Gabriel comes off. Um, and a minute later, Tarapt would replace Pizzi as Pizzi hands the captain's armband to Ruben Diaz. Before that, though, RDT's cross makes a brilliant cross with his right foot across the face of goal to a sliding Seferovic who gets all of it on his right on the outside of his right foot sliding for it but Henan makes a fantastic save to keep that one out and to keep it at 4-0 for the time being eighty second minute now RDT's famous nutmeg on Bruno Fernandes if you haven't seen this yet you don't have any social media, obviously, because it was all over the place. I said that the picture of the little girl was viral. This was even more viral. This was making the rounds in Spain, even. Uh, the Spanish uh, publication, Marca, well, was commenting on this and sharing this on their main website, RDT. Nutmeg and completely playing between the wickets of Bruno Fernandes and making the supposed 70 million euro uh, player look Quite um, quite average, and to be honest, uh, Bruno Fernandes disappeared in the second half. You hardly heard his name. Um, you hardly heard his name at all in the second half. And it looks like here, uh, Sporting are just waiting for the final whistle. Um, Dumbia gets a second yellow for a foul on Rafa. Um, an unnecessary foul, and Sporting will finish with 10 men. Jota had come in for RDT just a few minutes earlier, and he gets one of the he get is one of the key factors in the goal that closes out the matches. As Jota will attack the open space before sliding it to Grimaldo down the left, who drives it first touch. It's a cross along the ground to Seferovic. Seferovic's first effort saved by Renan. And and then the second effort hits the post, squirts out, and Shikinyu gets on the end of it. He scores the fifth for the Glorioso. That's the last kick of the match. It is 5-0 to Benfica, and we see Tiahi, Correa, uh, no longer able to fight the tears as they're flowing. Uh, several other players also in tears, as is a lot of the fans. The managers shake hands and embrace. Um, Kaiser, no doubt, gracious in defeat. Bruno Lage gracious in uh, victory. Um, very respectful. Uh, a lot of fair play between the two teams. Man of the match was Pizzi. All right. Um, young Thierry Cohea for me. Best player for Sporting. Um, with an honorable mention for Rafinha. Um, uh, of course, Thierry Cohea also had some, some mistakes that were punished to the maximum. But that is part of being a young player and learning. But there's definitely something there for that young right back. I think Sporting have quite a prospect on their hands there. Uh, Befica win the Supertasa for the eighth time. And I said that aside from PZ, the top three players for Befica, I picked four even though I said the top three. 
with Rafa Florentino, RDT, and Odie, as Odie was big in the first half, keeping uh, keeping the game nil-nil when Sporting could very well have gone ahead. Um, Florentino, fantastic, uh, puts in a, a really a world-class performance there in the holding midfield role, and Rafa, as always, um, two assists and a goal, as well as just absolutely breaking the lines with his dribble. He breaks Sporting's formation on the dribble, and um, instrumental in, in so many of the goals. Um, Jardel is handed the Super Cup by President Marcelo. And I apologize for that little interruption there. That was the alarm as this uh, running out of space here. But um, stay right there. We got, we got a little bit more to talk about, okay? I got some audio for you coming up. Uh, we got some comments from the coach and the players, and then I will be back on the other side to conclude episode 24, Mambo number 5 of Mr. Benfica. Stay right there. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino, of course. Remember, on Twitter, at Benfica Mr., and on Instagram, at Mr. Benfica. Don't move a muscle. I'll be right back. Para lá, muito boa noite, Andréia de Magalhães em direto para a BTV, parabéns antes de mais e a pergunta vai um bocadinho nessa análise também, além desta vitória e desta conquista, gostava de ouvir a sua análise aos cinco golos do Benfica e ao trabalho que foi feito durante a semana um, Antes de fazer a análise um, também ter a oportunidade de dedicar esta vitória aos nossos adeptos que connosco, jogadores equipa técnica estrutura um, sofreram na, quando fomos em homenagem da Taça de Portugal mas a vida é mesmo assim e a nossa treinadora é assim quando perdemos não somos, não somos o, os piores e não é agora que termos ganho a super taça que vamos ser o que é quer que seja somos os mesmos e é nesse registro que nós pelo menos eu e a minha equipa técnica uh, vamos continuar a análise de do jogo, na minha opinião, e olho mais para aquilo que foi a performance da, da nossa equipa, acho que foram 30 minutos muito, 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 muito fortes uh, da nossa parte, em que pressionámos muito, mudámos a nossa forma de pressionar para também dar uma forma de surpreender um, o Sporting, as coisas correram muito bem durante esses 30 minutos, um, e depois dos 30 aos 60, um, uns muito bons e outros bons e, e depois à medida que o resultado foi com gols foi, foi crescendo a partida ficou, ficou a nosso favor e é, e é dessa forma que chegamos a esse, a esse resultado, por isso é, tão importante é vencer este troféu de início da época como também para nós é verificarmos que aquilo que tínhamos prometido até, até este momento, que era primeiro uma entrada forte na época, e acho que conseguimos, um, e depois é de aproximar a equipa, quer em termos coletivos, um, na forma de jogar, da intensidade de jogar, uh, tentar aproximar a nossa, a nossa imagem àquilo que foi deixado uh, do ano passado, por isso estamos plenamente satisfeitos com, com isso, mas termina agora. Um erro no 
jogo. Ainda bem que essa jogada não deu gol porque, porque o Pizzi encarregou-se de falhar. Certo, mas, mas parece-me que foi até o único momento de, de erro de arbitragem. E lá deixa, está a deixa, solução do Kaiser e do Sporting. Não, só, que só queria rematar mais uma coisa. Uma das imagens que, que a RTP nos deu já no, 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 no pós-jogo é para mim uma imagem daquilo que devia ser sempre o futebol. Florentino faz parte da equipa que ganhou por 5-0, Thierry Correia faz parte da equipa que perdeu por 0-5 por, por e Florentino foi abraçado a Thierry Correia. Vamos ouvir Pizzi e Um velho entendimento cria sempre novas dinâmicas e hoje foi assim. Sim, é verdade, foi... eu e o Rafa, a verdade é que nos entendemos muito bem, mas mais que falar do... de mim e do Rafa, acho que o mais importante é enaltecer o trabalho de toda a equipa desde o primeiro minuto, acho que fomos... Uh, claramente superiores ao Sporting o Sporting tem uma, bela, uma belíssima equipa uh, bons jogadores, jogadores com muita qualidade mas acho que desde o primeiro momento nós fomos muito superiores com e sem bola e acho que isso ficou demonstrado no, no marcador acho que foi uma grande vitória da nossa parte uma vitória justa e dar os parabéns a toda a equipa não só pela pré-época que fizemos mas também por este jogo que foi, foi realmente fantástico ganha para a primeira parte com muito equilíbrio depois vê o resultado evoluir para este 5-0 na segunda parte Deu a ideia que foi até fácil na segunda parte para o Benfica. Como é que vocês sentiram isto lá dentro? Não, fácil nunca é. Como é óbvio, como já disse, enfrentamos uma grande equipa com excelentes jogadores. Uh, mas o que eu acho é que a nossa equipa, a nossa maneira de jogar, a nossa maneira de estar em campo, acho que tornou as coisas uh, mais fáceis. Uh, jogamos de uma maneira simples, eficaz. Fizemos golos bonitos, golos com, com muita dinâmica. E, e é isso, é enaltecer também estes, estes adeptos fantásticos que nos apoiaram desde o primeiro minuto. E, uh, e conquistamos o primeiro troféu e esperemos nós que seja o primeiro de muitos troféus esta época. O campeonato ganho ano passado, entrar com 5-0, nova temporada, o que é que promete esta multidão encarnada que veio aqui ao Algarve? O que nós prometemos é o trabalho diário, é dia a dia, trabalharmos sempre no máximo, darmos sempre uh, tudo o que nós temos em cada, em cada treino, em cada jogo, e é isso que nós prometemos. Então, queremos sempre jogar com a qualidade que jogamos hoje uh, e vamos certamente fazer um, um grande campeonato porque temos excelentes jogadores. Muito obrigado. obrigado. All right, and that was some post-game comments, starting with Bruno Lage in the press conference um, after the match, where he spoke about how he felt. Also, you got to hear from PZ in there. So let's start with Bruno Lage. I, um, I'll paraphrase what he said in those notes. Bruno Lage said, first off, we dedicate this victory to our fans and our supporters who suffered with us last season when we were eliminated from the Portuguese Cup. Um, and he he stated that that still is, you know, the team still um, remembers that and they still keep that with them as they work to improve. And he said, you know, but that's football. When we lose, we're not the worst team in the world. And it's not because we won this game in this manner that we're, we're any different now. He um He's stressing the consistency of Benfica, and he's also reminding fans that sometimes things go your way and sometimes they don't. Uh, like I said up on the top of the of the program, you know, sometimes sometimes the ball rolls your way, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, this Super Cup result could have very easily been the first leg of the Portuguese uh, Cup semifinal a year ago, and um, and you know, conversely. Um, the second leg 
where we lost to Sporting could have very easily been what played out tonight also. Had had Sporting got on the board first, had they had Odie not come up with some big saves, could have been a much, much different match. And of course, like I said in the in the analysis, had Kowatis and a lot of people are blaming Mathieu. I, I hold Kowatis much more uh responsible for that debacle in the back. Especially his his foul after it was two nil, you know. At two nil, you really gotta gotta dig deep and you gotta work at it and you gotta go for it. But but you know, at two, what you can't have at two nil is five minutes later have your center central defender making a reckless tackle like that when when the other team has a a very dangerous uh, set piece free kick taker like Benfica have with Grimaldo. Um, he also says that he he Bruno Lage credits Sporting for the first thirty minutes of the match. Um, at that point, he believes also, like I said, that Sporting were a bit better than Mefica at that time. But um, going after that, from sixty to thirty, it was a very very even played match, and then from thirty on, Mefica took control as Sporting's heads were down, and it looks like the team kind of gave up a little bit. Also, I think their lack of fitness let them down. A little bit, um, speaking about Sporting, of course, whereas Benfica's superior fitness kicked in in that last third of the match. Um, Bruno Lage finishes by saying, you know, that uh, he finishes by saying that what this win means, real most most important thing this win means is that the team is where they want to be right now and that they're in position to start the season strong, which is one of the main objectives is to start the season strong this season. Um, after that, you heard a few words from a journal. Well, he's not a journalist. He's a commentator um, from João Gobern on Trio de Tac on RTP. He's the Benfiquista on the Trio de Tac panel. And uh, he, he made sure to, to mention, and I wanted to include his words, um, as he recognized Florentino's fantastic uh, gentleman-like sportsmanship. Um, of course, we've all probably seen the video by now. Uh, Sporting's Thierry Correa, you know, in tears, fighting the tears, and his buddy from the youth national team, Florentino, uh, Florentino Luigi. Finds his finds his friend and he's consoling him and it was a great attitude, great um great, expo- uh, a great display of fair play in this matchup. Um, these two teams clearly the players and the coaching staffs clearly respect each other. This is much different than some of the Benfica Sporting matches we've seen in the past and uh, there was a real from both sides a real nice display of of fair play in the match. PZ was next. He was in the Zona Mista or in the flash interview um, on the pitch post-match um, before he received his man of the match award. And PZ said that Sporting have a strong team with great quality, but tonight we were better. That's his, his first line. And then he, he goes on to say matches like this are never easy when he's asked if this was an easy win. He says matches like this are never are easy, but Benfica, Benfica's attitude and our self-belief um, they turn this match easier. Uh, we we now will we now vow to continue to work every single day to keep getting better. That was his vow to the fans, and those were some of the post game comments. All right, we're gonna go into some statistics before before we um, close out the show this week. All right, I'll start actually with the player ratings first, and I am using a goal point this season. 
I have switched over. I'm trying this out this week. Uh, this is the program the guys at Bayfic After 90 use. I really like it when I watch their show. So, um, and also they have player ratings on matches where where uh, Foot Mob Fought Mob does not, including this Super Tasa. So, Vlakodimuz uh, earning a 7.2 in goal. Nuno Tavares a 5.2 as a right back. Not not as not great, but he also was not a liability. He did enough. Um, Bruno Fernandes got in twice down that side, but he also um, aside from that, he really he he did well enough. So I'm not gonna beat on the kid. Like I said, he he is a left-sided player. Not his fault. He's been forced to play on the right here, and I'm not holding against him any of these performances. Ruben Dias, a 4.7, a little bit of a low rating for Ruben Dias. Um, Fehu with a 5.3. Grimaldo, the left back, 7.2, one of the higher uh, rated players in the match. Gabriel, the center mid, with one of his lower ratings of 5.8. Um, his partner, Florentino, 6.2, one of the one of the good, good uh, ratings in the match. And I thought Florentino was... Was even better than that, to be honest with you. I thought he was better than a 6.2. He does a lot of the little things that statistics don't show. He does a lot of things off the ball. He, his positioning is always on point, and uh, he just—he's just such a destroyer of the other team's uh, play, and he—he he destroys so many attacks from that holding midfield role. Rafa with the 7.8. PZ, the man of the match, with the 7.9. Uh, Harris Seferovic, a disappointing night for him. 4.9 was his rating, while Raul de Tomas, RDT, with a 7.4. Sporting's ratings, um, nothing really, really to to clamor about. They're all in the fours and fives. I'm not going to go down each player. Um, Some more. P- so here's some statistics for PZ that the that goal point is showing. It's PZ with his 7.9, two goals and an assist, three three shots, two of them on goal, and uh, let's see. We'll move on to the statistics as we've got. All right, so we've got shots on goal. Benfica with 15, Sporting with 19. Um, sh- sorry, that was total shots. Shots on goal, Hamatsin Quadrados, 11 for Benfica, 6 for Sporting. Hamatsch um, dentro da área, inside the bo- shots inside the, the penalty area, 9 for Benfica, 6 for Sporting. Um, pass efficiency, 82% for both teams. Both teams with a very high pass efficiency in this match. Uh, duels won. The edge goes to Sporting. 64 duels won versus Benfica's 46. Um, fouls committed. Benfica 19. Sporting 13. Corner kicks 5 to Sporting. Benfica with 3. Possession, of course, my, my favorite stat, right? Like I say every week, the most useless stat. And here's a game where, where it shows just how useless it is. Sporting 51%. Benfica 49. Um, of course, without context, of territory that stat means nothing and the only and you know just see the the difference between the the stat line that reads goals versus the stat line that reads possession clearly um possession is not everything um Befica now move forward as league play starts um probably by the time you're hearing this uh, the match has already begun. It is Saturday. Uh, August the 10th is the day for the first match. It's at the Stadio de Luz. 
Um, Benfica versus Passos de Ferreira, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time here on the East Coast of the United States, 1.30 Pacific, and of course, 9.30, yeah, 9.30 p.m. in Portugal, in Lisbon, um, for that match. Uh, and of course, like I had said, Benfica will be awarded the International Champions Cup trophy before the match. Um, also, uh, the tickets are pretty much sold out. The, the, the club has announced that some tickets are still available on the new secondary market. That's where Red Pass uh, holders resell their tickets to games they're not going to attend. And this is, of course, at the with the goal of having uh, zero empty seats or zero lugares vazios. The match will be on BTV and, of course, here in the United States. Like I said during the news, it will be once again on Gold TV in Espanol. All right. Um, and um, and it'll be good to hear from, from, you know, Omar Fuentes and Alejandro Figueredo once again. Um, I really like their analysis. I like the way they break down the match. I like their um, neutrality when they call a Portuguese league match. They do root a little bit for the Argentinian players, but but overall, very neutral, very uh, unbiased, very down-the-middle uh, commentary. So I do always enjoy listening to them, and I do feel they've done a lot of work to to get to know the league well. And like I said, I reached out to Goal TV this week, um, and I was trying to get an answer from them whether or not the, the league was going to be on on Gold TV this season, because as of a week ago, there was nothing listed. Um, of course, the Portuguese League is always the last to set its schedule in motion, so it's very likely that they did not get the schedule out to the TV partners in a in a uh, fashionable time, and that's why nothing ha- was listed at that time. I also um, I also complimented Gold TV for their their work on the league. I really like the way they cover the league, the Portugal program. If you haven't seen it. Set your DVR on Gold TV Espanol to uh, it's usually Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. It is Portugal. It's a highlight show with the entire Portuguese league. Like I said, one result already in the books today. We had Bolognese's draw nil nil with Portimonense. Naturally, those are two teams now share the top spot for the first night of the season as they are the only match in town, the only game to be played thus far. So that's going to be it for this week. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the the pod as always we will be back next week and we will obviously be reviewing Passos de Ferreira or Benfica Passos de Ferreira rather live from the Stadio de Luz tomorrow we'll look back at it next week and we'll have much more to talk about there'll probably be much more news transfers are still going to be going through you know we're going to probably be be shrinking the size of the team as the weeks go on as we get closer to the close of the transfer window in the rest of Europe the window is closed in England nobody else is going to England until January um, but the rest of Europe still has until the uh, until midnight European time or Central European time, I believe, on the 31st of August. That's it this week, guys. Um, I am, of course, the Mr. Mike Agustino signing off. Don't forget to follow this show on Twitter. I am at Benfica Mister on Twitter and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And, of course, if you want to hear uh, the episode of Jota Jota Carioca without the ads and with some music, okay, it's a little bit of a different cut. Go over to 
www.anchor.fm forward slash PTV Soccer or search for PTV Soccer in your Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's available on pretty much the same platforms as Mr. Benfica. Um, I ask everyone to check that out. I'm really trying to get people over to that channel to uh, to listen to some of the other programming I've got does not have quite the following that Mr. Benfica has. Um, and, of course, I'm thankful for every single one of the Mr. Benfica listeners out there. And, of course, feedback is always appreciated. You can hit, you can DM me on Twitter. You can, uh, you know, inbox me on Facebook. You can send me a message on Instagram, you know, whatever they call their version of the instant message. Feel free to reach out. I'm, uh, I love the feedback. Um, if you think my Portuguese is horrible on Jota Jota, go ahead and say it. If if it is, then, you know, maybe I'll rethink doing it. But right now, uh, it's something I really want to do. Um, so I'm going to work at it. Of course, time is always hard to find for that. But um, in the end, uh, it's, a, it's a project that I want to see out through at least till the end of Jorge Zuz's, uh run in Brazil and Honestly, that could be any day. I mean, what an up and down already. It's It's been, you know, a month and a half, and you got win, loss, win, loss, big win, big loss. So um, that's why I thought it would be fun to cover. I thought it'd be like a soap opera, and so far it has been. Um, I've got at least three episodes to get to catch up to where I am, where we are right now in the present, uh, present tense. So um, hopefully I can get s- several episodes out of this before JJ gets the sack in Brazil, if that does happen, or before he walks. So um, that's it for this week. Like I said, thank you, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. Força Benfica, carrega Benfica, damo 38. Goodbye, everybody. Viva Benfica. Só por ti